Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. Dub is the actionable video platform that allows you to quickly create, share, and track videos from all your favorite places like Gmail, LinkedIn, CRMs, and so much more. Today, we're going to be getting into the topics of storytelling and influence, social media, LinkedIn, content. We have an expert with us. Kelly, let's get into this. Please start with a bio on yourself, if you don't mind, and then let's get into the topic. I'm psyched to get in here. Sure. So my name is Kelly Whitney, and I run a small boutique media consulting and content development company called Kelly Media. And I'm a career journalist, writer, editor, so like professional wordsmith, I guess. is <laughs> a good title for me. Nice. And what would you say your, your, your biggest realization is with, res- with respect to storytelling? What, what is it that you've, you've truly learned within the last... I think that today in particular, storytelling is basically the best way to relate to anyone. Whether you're in person or you're online, if you connect with someone on a personal level, if you tell your story, if you inquire about theirs, it's a wonderful way to connect. And I think being able to connect and engage these days is a wonderful type of currency. And it's something that brands, organizations, and people are after. So storytelling is a way for us to be human in a way. Well, it's it's interesting because when you look at the most, uh, the earliest writing, mm-hmm. visual writing right. of human beings, right? In, 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 <laughs> you know, these are these are some fantastic stories that people were really sharing because they were inspired to educate and entertain. You know, I I actually recently read something which was really entertaining to me that the first joke that was ever found in the form of cave paintings was actually a joke with respect to um, the passing of gas, believe it or not. (laughs) So the first uh, visual or written joke ever recorded, documented, found was in fact a fart joke. Wow, that's amazing. So... (laughs) <laughs> so some things don't change <laughs> now let's get into this idea of of influence you know there's there's all sorts of talk about the crash of the influencer market there's been some very interesting articles that have come out a lot of interesting data you know there's there's a lot of talk with respect to algorithms on social media on how eventually they're gonna they're not gonna favor you know, certain individuals, certain quote unquote influencers as much as they used to. And as a result, they're going to get a less, they're going to get a less, uh, a lot less visibility. And the reason why that's going to be the case is because A, we're just continuing to get people creating content, becoming personalities, more streams of video content on all channels. But then secondly, is that now, you know, the, the, the paid players, the Netflix, the YouTube, the Hulus, they're actually spending a lot more money to get a presence on social platforms in the form of more, you know, organic content. So I'd love to get your take on, on where influence is going on social. Well, you hit on something very important and that's 
content, okay? So I don't know if the talk around influencers and them losing their credibility or them losing their influence is something that we should give too, too much credit, like credence to, just because people adapt really quickly, especially like these influencers, that's their, that's their livelihood. So they're not just gonna fade into the sunset, so to speak. I saw a video um, on YouTube, I think it must have been earlier this week, actually, and it was from one of my favorite influencers on YouTube, Jackie Ina. And she is a makeup guru, right? But she does lifestyle. She talks about a lot of diversity and inclusion topics. And she talked about the algorithm that you mentioned earlier and how you can kind of game the system. And she talked about liking and sharing and engagement and why, you know, if you want to see influencers who look like her or who look like you, in my case, it's the same thing, we're both black, that you have to participate. And so I think more people are getting wise to that sort of thing. You know, you have to like, you have to share, you have to engage with comments, etc. You can tell YouTube, not interested, you know, you can engage and that teaches these different platforms how to engage with your content. And at the end of the day, um, creating content that people want to see, creating content that has value, that is going to win the day. So whether or not influencers lose some of their power, the stories that they tell, the ones who uh, engage with people on a really granular and authentic level, that content will still win. So. Mm, that makes sense. You know, I, I'm of the thought that trying to game the algorithms, games the social networks, you're always going to be slightly behind that. And the second that you try to crack something, that it's it's going to change. <laughs> so it's like chasing a ghost, and, it, and it's just generally not good for the soul. And I think it's better to focus on storytelling and content and, you know, making people happy. Now, you, you have uh, grown your LinkedIn presence um, in a pretty remarkable way. You now have over 90,000 followers on LinkedIn. What was, that, what was that process like for you? How did you go about doing that? Was that did it happen randomly? Was it uh, intentional? What was the process? It was very organic. I used to work for a publishing company um, in Chicago called Human Capital Media. And uh, as an editor, I had a blog there um, from one of our publications, it was called Diversity Executive. And the blog, it was something that we created to support the print publication, but it took off. And over the course of several years, the following just grew and grew and grew. And I think it was because the stories that I would tell, very straightforward, very authentic. And then also there was an element of controversy because the theme for the blog uh, at that time was diversity and inclusion in the workplace, right? Mm. So basically, my hook was whatever was happening in the media that week, that's what I would just riff on. And I didn't hold back. And people responded to it so much, you know, that it just grew and grew and grew. And so... It was very organic, but there's some elements that you can't get around. You know, the weekly uh, connection. So there was very, very current, very, very relevant to what was going on in the media, right? Then you have the element of controversy. So we're talking about diversity and inclusion, which is 
you know, kind of a spark for a lot of people. And then usually I was critiquing something that was happening. So if an organization put their foot wrong or someone in the, a high profile person said something untoward, I was, you know, <laughs> basically pointing my finger and saying, issuing my commentary and people engaged with it. Mm. Yeah, one of the things, uh, one of the things that I, I can take away from that is if you watch some of the some of the night show hosts, you know any of the the late shows, tonight shows, you know it's interesting how they they surf the topics so incredibly well. You know if there's the the vice presidential debate that's happening, you can pretty much guarantee within one hour to twelve hours of of that broadcast that they are going to have a commentary up. They're going to have a produced video that's four to 15 minutes long, and it's going to be a full segment on that. They're going to bank on the keywords. They're going to get into the topics. They're going to provide fresh perspectives to an audience that is totally engaged and totally interested. And, uh, you know, rinse and repeat, you know, doing that pretty much every day. That is the game for so many for so many folks. And dare I call it a game because all that that's really doing is exactly what you did, which is just floating topics and just staying current and speaking to the zeitgeist you know it's it's hard to do that because a lot of the times you know we're inundated like if you look at youtube for example we're inundated with politics with you know clickbait videos with stuff that's a little bit less businessy if we want to be more business focused you know it's not it's not a perfect environment how would you say that one can develop a content calendar where they're staying on topic of what's current, but at the same time staying on their path? Well, if you are talking about developing a content calendar, then that means regular content, right? So you need a theme or a niche so that you have some kind of structure within which to work, right? So your content calendar, you need to have a niche, which means a theme. You need to know intimately who your audience is. So. If you're a brand, who are the people who are buying your product or service, right? Um, and then you have to identify which delivery platforms that you're going to patronize the most. So if it comes to social media, which ones are you going to devote your time to? Do you have the resources to you know, touch on all of them? Because each one requires different tone. Each one requires, you know, Twitter, you only need a nugget, whereas LinkedIn, you may need um, two or three paragraphs. You also need visuals. You have to consider visuals. Super, super important these days. And then also these days, your content calendar should have some video. It really is important to have video if you're trying to engage on any type of scaled level. So I would just say, identify your niche or your, the theme for your content. Uh, make sure you know exactly who your audience is and where they are so that you can direct all of your resources and attention to those platforms so you can meet your audience where they are, right? And by, you know, by the same token, you have to consider your resources. Where am I gonna get my visuals from? Um, is there a content management system that I can use to make everything easier, like a Hootsuite or a Buffer? Um, because you're not going to want to do everything by hand organically. You're going to want to schedule things. And um, if you've got all those bits and pieces in place, then you can start to dig into the creativity, right? You can say, 
well, how am I really going to meet my audience? Like, what what do they like? Should I do data? Should I do humor? Should I have a joke of the day? Or like one of my clients has like a weird utensil of the day because she's an etiquette expert, so she's a little prissy. Um, so yeah, it just depends on who your audience is and where they live. And mm. that is like the meat of how you're going to structure and build an effective content calendar. Got it. Really nice. Nicely put. Now, I have a question for you, which is, you know, this idea of knowing that we have a, a specific topic that our business is catered around. Uh, but then there's everything else, which is life as we know it. You know, how much of our content should be focused on our core competency of our business versus life as we know it, the general topics? That is an interesting question, and I don't know if I have a set answer. I think it would depend on the individual brand or organization and how you want to engage with your audience, right? Mm. So if you're a bank, I would say 90% of all the content that you produce needs to be financial service, service oriented, right? But if you're a median, like I follow one, her name is Jess Hilarious, and she she brings in news, everything from the you know pop culture is very heavy influence for her music. I mean, nothing is off limits because she is median. So then the percentage would be um, ninety percent life, ten percent you know the mechanics of comedy. So I think it depends on your organization and um, who you're trying to reach and how free you can be with your delivery. You know, it's like a company has to be very careful. You know, there's reputation management and branding considerations to your image to, you know, be very cognizant of. But if you have more freedom, then that percentage, the numbers will skew and give you just more room to play in. Mm-hmm. Nice. You have spent a, a portion of your career exploring diversity, uh, exploring uh, women, you know, empowerment. What have you learned in this process? What are some of the key problems and, and solutions that we're looking at here with these topics? Well, any controversial topic, whether it's race, gender, sexual orientation, you have to evaluate who it is you're talking to and what is your self-interest, like what's in it right because everyone's not going to agree with you and your perspective um everyone doesn't have the same agenda so people like a man like yourself you're not necessarily concerned about equal pay whereas you know maybe if i was in the workforce that would be right up there at the top of my list of concerns so you have to really tailor your conversation to who it is that you're speaking to and sometimes you're not going to win every fight. And that comes into tailoring what I'm saying. And am I going to devote time to trying to explain something to somebody who is perhaps not really open to what I have to say? You have to always know that when you are talking about anything controversial, someone may not want to hear it. And it's up to you whether you're going to bang your head against the wall and try to force someone to listen. I wouldn't advise that and whether or not you can present arguments in a reasoned fashion and perhaps 
affect some change of heart or some slight change in behavior or even open the door for light to come in and shine on a different way of being, doing, or behaving. So I think you just, you really have to, you know, when it comes to communication, consider your audience when I talk to, what's their agenda? Um, how are they going to receive this message? Is this of concern to them? And is it in everyone's best interest to even have this conversation? Because sometimes it's just not. There's a such thing as diversity fatigue. There's such thing as, you know, I don't want to talk about women all the time. Believe it or not, as a black woman, I really don't want to talk about race all the time. I don't want to talk about female issues. I don't. I mean, I would love it if everyone just said, hey, Kelly, how you doing? Let's talk about writing or books or superhero movies. But that's not the world that I live in. And so I've learned that as a professional communicator, I have to constantly read the room and adapt my messaging to the people that I'm around and the purpose um, of why I am in a certain place. Mm. Yeah, you're so right about that. You know, at some point, uh, things have to become fixed. And then we don't have to talk about them anymore. Right. <laughs> we'll work on that, Ruben. <laughs> you and I. Yeah. So speaking of superheroes, who are some of your superheroes? Uh, um, Toni Morrison died recently. And um, when it comes to writing, I think she's a superhero. She was just so eloquent just so elegant and so fearless in a way. And when she won the Nobel Prize, it like, I cried. Like I, it warmed my heart on such a foundational level that this black woman who had so fearlessly created a career for herself in literature affected so many people on so many levels, so many different kinds of people that she would be acknowledged in such a, you know, a broad and you know spotlight fashion. I really appreciated that. I loved it. And when she died, I was sad. I was literally sad. I felt like someone wonderful had you know left the earth, but she left all this beautiful you know all these wonderful stories behind for us to enjoy forever. So, Toni Morrison, um, another I think superhero for me is probably my mom. Such a typical answer, right? But. Uh, my mom is 80 years old, and she kind of talks about the past more than she does the present these days. But the stories that she tells me about how she had to hustle to make it and like the struggles that she had to go through just has increased the level of empathy I think that I have. Um, and she's taught me about money and how to be resilient and how to just constantly. Here's little Donnie here. Hi, Rick. How are you? <laughs> oh, you found you found a stress ball. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> All right, Donnie. I'll be I'll be back in about ten minutes. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You can do. Yeah, go ahead. Yay! <laughs> Is he blackmailing you? Asking you? <laughs> he knows. He knows right when to ask me for things. <laughs> you know, we 
It's like what I want, you know. <laughs> you can't say no now. Right. Sure, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. My mom, huge influence, taught me how to manage money, taught me to be resilient and to just ignore any perceived deficits. And I credit my mom with giving me just really solid self-confidence. Mm. Well, that's important. Speaking of self-confidence, we have another visitor here. Hi, Gia. Uh, remember the days when we would lock the door? And we would... How was it? How was it? No interruptions. <laughs> we had this weird thing. It was called an office. <laughs> There were exactly. no, yeah, weird, weird. That was so that was so long ago, gosh. Yeah, really. Well, where can we learn more about you and about your firm, your business, um, social media? Okay, well, I am definitely online. I have a website, kellymedia.com. Mm. And uh, I have a blog. I still write that same blog that you were talking about on LinkedIn every single Friday. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Kelly Whitney, or um, I, uh, my blog address is A Life Not Gray, and it's G-R-E-Y. A Life Not Gray. Right. Amazing. Dot com. So. A Life Not Gray. And dot you can com. find my blog on my website. Amazing. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. The thank way you. that we do this with our podcast is that we kind of cut the long form video into short clips okay. and then we have a lot of fun with those on social media so you'll see we'll share those with you we put them on linkedin we put them on social we'll actually if you have a dub account we even upload it to your dub account or okay. we'll just share them via dub link so thanks again for your time really thank appreciate you. it kelly thank you sir bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.